Good morning. It's so good to be here. Belinda and I get to uh, speak at lots of different churches and travel around. We have a dream at the moment, a God-given dream, to go to a hundred different towns and cities around New Zealand and offer uh, marriage seminars. And so we're doing that. We're up to number 26 or something like that. And, uh, and, we, and so there's one tonight that's sold out, which is really fun. But we, we love supporting marriages. We love supporting parenting. Uh, we love preaching. We just like to be helpful. Does anyone else out there just like to be helpful? Yeah, it's just nice to be helpful. Uh, it, it, I, I fuck up a back to a lot of public speakers. And so my great-great-great-great-great-grandfather was the town crier in York. And so he used to wake people up with the news or whatever they did. I don't even know. He used to cry in town maybe. Um, not too sure. But, you know, we woke up, we woke up this morning at 6.30 in uh, Ashurst, uh, this side of Palmerston North. And I was giddy the whole way here thinking about how fun it would be to, to come in and speak with you guys and meet you guys. We bring greetings uh, from Clark Alcott, who is the pastor at uh, Sam's Old Church, Sam and Jen's Old Church um, Beach Campus in... Um, uh, in Christchurch, and so they say good day and welcome and hello. And if you ever get sick of Sam, just send him back. We will take him back. Uh, so just remember that one. I'm excited to hear that preachers sometimes get healed when they come here. That's great. You should chuck that on the brochure. Like every preacher in town will want to come here. I'm not sick at the moment, but you know that's cool. I, I, yeah. Do Do you guys do weight loss as well? Is that a thing? <laughs> Can I like lose 20 kgs as I'm preaching? If you suddenly see my pants falling down, that's it's just a move of God. Don't worry. Um, very cool. Hey, so listen, I have loved in my lifetime traveling, but a huge part of the travel is actually uh, meeting the the worldwide church, the church in the third world, the church in the first world, the church everywhere in between. It's probably the second world. And we just actually love it. We love going to different denominations. We love going to different styles of church and checking them out. Do you know, the Bible says that there's only one God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and that's the God you encounter whenever you go into a Christian church, no matter how they're doing it. Sometimes the worship looks pretty different. Sometimes, strangely, they don't make animal noises in, in some churches. I don't know why. I don't know what's wrong with them. I don't know. Uh, you know, we've been to churches where you literally sit in silence for the worship for 40 minutes. You sit in silence. Do you, know, do you know in those churches what they do for the sermon? You sit in silence. It's a very quiet church. Unless you take your kids and they just giggle through the whole thing. And then you have to tell them off later. But uh, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I remember even before I met Belinda, I was in this uh, terrible Christian band. Um, Sam thinks it was good. Well, it was horrible. And basically what happened was we had three, I had three friends come up and said, Matt, we want you to sing in our band. And I said, that's ridiculous. I can't sing. And they said, well, that's fine. You know, um, we can't really play instruments. So you'll fit in just fine. <laughs> and so I joined this terrible band and I couldn't sing and they couldn't really play music. But it didn't really matter. We were horrible. We called, it, we called our genre uh, suck rock because it was like rock, but it sucked. And we, we played all around New Zealand and we played a parachute and we played overseas. We did a six-month tour in America and Canada because um, we worked out very quickly. It didn't matter if you were horrible if you were a Christian band. 
And so, um, and that's funny because it's true. And so we did really well. We made like four albums and we traveled. But at one point, YWAM were going to Atlanta. It might have been 1996 uh, for, for the Olympic Games outreach. And so we joined up with YWAM and we were there for a whole month. But at one point, we were helping YWAM and uh, we stayed in all sorts of interesting places. One night, we were sleeping in some church hall. We didn't even really know the name or anyone at the church, but they said, yeah, you need somewhere to stay. Come and crash in the, in the church. I slept in the baptismal, don't tell them. And um, so anyway, so we slept there. And then in the morning, we got up early. And for some reason, I don't even know why at this point, we decided not to to attend church that Sunday morning at that church, but to go for a wander down the road, look for a bakery, look for a cafe, and maybe look for another church. And so we, we wandered down the road, we grabbed a coffee, and then we heard this amazing singing coming from somewhere, streets away. And so we followed, it, followed the sound, and we found ourselves in Atlanta, Georgia, in the middle of the suburbs, walking into the back of this black gospel church. And I'd always wanted to visit a black gospel church. And so we wander in the back, but you know those old Western movies when someone walks into the bar or the saloon and the pianist stops and the thing swings and everyone looks up? That's what happened. I walked in during the worship and it was like pretty much the whole service came to this grinding halt. They just stared at us. And then the, the pastor up the front, he actually walked down towards us. We're like, oh, are we in trouble? Is this okay? Well, what's going on? And he goes, hey, hey, who, who are you guys? And we go, oh, uh, we're just some guys. We're, just, we're from New Zealand. We're over here doing YWAM stuff for the Olympic Games. And we just thought we'd come and worship with you guys. And the pastor's on the verge of tears. And he goes, just, just wait here, just wait here. He goes up the front. And he says, well, church, this is the moment we've been praying for since the beginning of this church. For decades and decades and decades, we've been believing that, other, that, that, that white faces would come and worship God with us. They never have, but today's the day. Let's welcome them. The whole church stood up, and they, with tears in their eyes, just hugged us and kissed us and welcomed us, and we got to worship God. This morning, Sam was talking about how a major, major mission of the church is to bring heaven to earth. What could be more bringing heaven to earth than when every tribe and every tongue and every nation gathers to worship God together? And so we got a taste of that. You know, this church, uh, just the, the, the way the church works, right, uh, according to, to the Bible, is that we're like a body. And we've got different functions, and that's okay. And I, I was checking out your website this week, and I noticed that your number one value is joy. And do you know how many schools you go into where the values on the website don't match the value of the school? Do you know how many churches, they want this value to work out, but it's not really. In this place, let me tell you as a visitor, that joy is palatable. That you walk in, the, before you've walked in the doors, there is this sense of this buzz. And it's a genuine thing. It's not a a happy clappy thing. It's not a fake thing. You understand that grief is important too, right? You understand we're supposed to weep with those who are weeping, right? You know that. But in addition, I love this idea. What did you call it, Sam? Defiant joy. Joy is such a beautiful thing. It's a divine thing. You know when the Holy Spirit does a work in us, one of the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy. 
And so joy is divine. When the Spirit's working in a church, one of the things that, that comes is joy. Beautiful, huh? It shows God's heart. I was reading uh, Hebrews earlier this week. It says in chapter 12, verse 2, that for the joy set before Jesus, he endured the cross. For the joy. God himself wanted that joy. He wanted the joy of uh, redeeming us, of bringing not just humans, but all of creation to himself. And that's why he went through that horrible, horrible, horrible humiliating, uh, excruciating experience of the cross. Why? For the joy set before him. Friends, we give God joy. He pursues us, huh? He knocks on our hearts and keeps knocking. He wants to do life with us. What a compliment. Imagine the God who knows everything about you still loves you. What a compliment. The God who knows everything about you pursues you. Now, either God's crazy or that means you're worth pursuing, doesn't it? The fact that God loves you either means God's crazy and deluded or that you're lovable. Isn't that a compliment? This morning, I wanted to talk about the church. I've actually only got a one-point sermon. I know I'm sort of rambling a little bit, but I've only got one uh, point, and it's this, that God loves the church, and so should we. How's that? I can't follow up these wonderful series on Revelation and Steve Graham's amazing, you know, multi-point sermons. I've only got one point, uh, but I'm going to do it the best I can. So the point is, I'm just, I'm going to talk about the church for 20 minutes, and then we're going to wrap up. <laughs> and my point my, no, 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 I'll wrap up the church. No, no, no. And just, and just uh, my, my, my goal over the next 20 minutes is to help you fall in love with the church again. You know, she's, going, she's falling on tough times. Last week, we spoke at a marriage retreat in uh, Waikanae, and just with randoms, and they loved it. This weekend, we've been speaking to pastors who brought their partners along, spouses along, and I tell you what, it was a different experience having church leaders uh, there because there was a heaviness and a burned outness, and uh, we've almost had a gutsful. And it was very, very hard speaking to them. It was like, you know, you'd preach a sermon. It was like throwing a sermon into a big dark, dark hole when there's nothing coming back. And it was hard because people are struggling. Church leaders are struggling. There's an attack, not just from without you know, from outside the church, but from even within the church. There are people who've had a guts full, and they can see the problems, but they can't see the joy, and they can't see the hope. We might give up on the church. A lot of people do, hey? God never does. Why? Because his plan is to have an eternal bride. So he doesn't give up, and neither should we. I want to start by saying, uh, how much do you know about the church? And so that's why I've put together a wee quiz. I like to call it, how much do you know about the church? <laughs> Question number one. How many different church denominations are there in the world? Do you know what a denomination is? This is a vineyard church, so there's hundreds of vineyard churches around the world. Uh, are there 200 different denominations in the world? Are there 1,100? 8,800? 45,000? Who's going 200? Who's going 1,100? I see that hand. 8,800? 
Oh, 45,000? It's actually 45,000. There are 200 in America alone. Isn't that amazing? All right, next question. How much do you know about the church? What is the largest church congregation in the world currently? Is it this one, Lakewood Church in Houston? Who's the pastor there? Joel Osteen. Anyone been to that church? I took uh, Belinda to that church. It was pretty flash. It was very big, very big. They had a massive golden globe spinning behind the stage. Massive big thing. You should get a golden globe. They're cool. <laughs> a little bit off-putting, but really cool. I'll tell you what they also had was they had waterfalls. Plural. <laughs> they had waterfalls on each cascading down. They had to turn it off during the sermon because you couldn't hear the speaker. It's noisy. Waterfalls are noisy. And I turned them off. And the, and the, other, the other fun thing they had is uh, at the end of the message, instead of saying, oh, hey, can, can we get the band up? They didn't do that. Someone pressed, somewhere pressed a button and the band just came up. Like the back of the stage, there's like 20 people on the back of the stage, like in the orchestra pit, and they hydraulically just came up and they were there. So you're taking notes, Sam? Yeah, yeah. So that, that's, uh, that's Lakewood Church in Houston, Texas. Uh, is it Living Faith Church in Nigeria? We haven't uh, visited that one, but it is monstrous if you look at the photo there. Is it Yoido Full Gospel Church in Seoul? Blinder and I have taken the kids to that one. It's big, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, the choir's big, the orchestra's massive, um, the car park's large, and there's just a lot of people at that church. Or, number four, is it Bay Vineyard Church? <laughs> Okay, which is it? Um, Lakewood Church in Houston, Joel Austin's church. Okay, is it uh, Living Faith Church in Nigeria? Okay, is it Yudo Full Gospel Church in Seoul? Anyone going Bay Vineyard? <laughs> the people with faith. Where are you? <laughs> oh, good. Um, I think currently on stats, it's still, believe it or not, uh, the Yudo Full Gospel Church in Seoul. So, you know, at the moment, I think it was up to nearly a million. It's down to about a measly 600,000 uh, people would turn up on a given Sunday. So that's, that's a few, isn't it? Yes, indeedy. I, uh, last question. This is my last question here. How much do you know about the church? Question number three, uh, 20%. What? I need to give some context to that. <laughs> What percentage of the world's orphanages are funded by Christian churches? By Christian churches. What percentage of the whole world's orphanages? Is it 20%? Is it 44%? Is it 67%? Or is it 80%? Let's go through them. Is it 20? Is it 44? 67%? What's the other one? 80? 80%? Yeah, you're just going for the biggest number, aren't you, at this point? Because you get the you get the point of the the whole message. It is eighty percent, and estimated eighty percent of all of the world's orphanages are uh, are sponsored and created by Christian churches. You know, uh, one of the big books I read last year. I have to read a lot of books. I'm doing postgrad stuff at Laidlaw. I'm doing theology, and I'm enjoying that. They make us read a lot, and I'm not a big reader. 
But one of the books I really, really, really loved uh, is this one here by Tom Holland called Dominion. Tom Holland is a fervent atheist, but in his studies, very clever man, he's um, other than that bit, he, he decided that he wanted to know why the world turned out so well, the Western world. Now, the reason is that his original studies were all about the Vikings and the crazy Romans and, you know, these people who would slaughter everyone and the leaders who would just destroy entire tribes and entire people in war and kill each other and all the rest of it. And, and he was pondering on that one day and said, man, that wasn't that long ago in history. How on earth did we turn out so well? And all of his research as he went back through Western history concluded the same thing. The number one biggest by a thousand miles uh, influence in the world, in the Western world, that has brought justice and peace, that has brought health care and education and just outlawed violence, ended slavery, and all the rest of it has been the Christian church. And for an atheist to come out with that and say, the story of the gospel, the good news, has shaped the world. You know, in Genesis, it says that human beings, male and female, have been made in the image of God, and that gives humans dignity and worth and value. There is no other story in the ancient world or in the modern world that gives people dignity, that gives them worth. But the Christian story does. And that's why we, we abolish slavery, because all people deserve to be free. And I know there's still slavery in the world, but all the efforts to make it illegal have come from the Christian church. We're the ones who invented hospitals. We're the ones. The Christian church are the ones who invented universities. Did you know that? Go research it. Go have a look. And, uh, and so we're doing pretty well. Here is a photograph of my Auntie Helen. My Auntie Helen is a Catholic nun in Cape Town, uh, South Africa, and at the nunnery, they get, um, they, sometimes they go out every few weeks, they might go out to the, the doorstep in the morning, and there'll be a baby there, a mystery baby, and this is one of the mystery babies that's come from the slums uh, across the road, and someone's decided they don't want this baby, or can't look after this baby, or the nuns do a better job, or something, and so they don't know who the, the kid is. But this is Rosie, wee girl, and Belinda uh, with her. And so they're loving her. They're giving her a family. They're giving her education. They're giving her health care. Uh, importantly, they're waiting until she's at an age where they can test and see if she's got AIDS. And either way, they'll keep loving on her and giving her a family she doesn't have. Who knows that our God sets the solitary in families. He does, but the way he does, does that is through us. Through his hands, his feet, through the church. Is the church perfect? By no means. But we're doing a pretty good job. Turn to the person next to you and say, we're doing a pretty good job. We're doing a pretty good job. Do you know, uh, World Vision, just one, just one of thousands of Christian aid organizations and, and ministries raises about three billion US dollars every year to help people. And do you know World Vision's uh, favorite thing they do? They're, they're world experts at helping children in war-torn countries and in poverty and in trauma. 
And so other aid organisations, they get to look after water or food or healthcare. But World Vision usually get to look after uh, the kids, and they do a phenomenal job at that. Do you know in America, over 150,000 local churches either have a food bank or provide emergency shelter? I don't know what the stats are in New Zealand, but we're doing pretty good. You know, I sat here down the back while you looked at the family news and talked about finding pajamas. You dreamed about finding socks, right? You talked about having a a new ministry going. And that is what the church is up to. We're busy. If you're not busy doing something good, get busy. Look busy, people. Join with God to bring heaven to earth. Because after all, that is the promise, the promise that God gave to Abraham those many, many years ago. I'll make you into a great nation, God said to Abraham. I'll bless you, and I'll make your name great. You'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And we know that from uh, for, that, that, is God's, that is God's dream, that the whole world would be blessed. He's not willing that any should perish but for all to have eternal life. Now, I know some people think, I'm sure no one here, but I know some people think that the Christian story is you die one day, you get to go to heaven. It's pie in the sky when you die. Have you heard that one? But it's not. It's not just that. It is that, but it's not just that. It's It's heaven invading earth now. And do you know you can have initiative for the kingdom? You can scheme with God. The Bible talks about how evil people, they don't just do evil, they plot evil. Go read Proverbs 1 uh, from, from the start to finish, and you'll see some evil people described, and they lay in wait. They say things like, um, let's wait for the wealthy to come along, and let's hide, and let's murder them, let's take their stuff. Good or bad, we'll treat them alike. And the loot will get all kinds of stuff. Come on, throw in your lot with us. We'll split with you an equal share. And the Bible says, don't do it, son. Don't do it, daughter. Stay far from men like that, for murder is their way of life. But the Bible also talks about how good people don't just do good, they scheme good. Are you scheming good? If you're married, are you scheming good? If you're in a family, are you scheming good? Scheme good. Go read the story of the Good Samaritan again. Have you noticed that when he, the, the priest and the Levites see the guy beaten up, on the side of the road and walk by. The good Samaritan is led by compassion and says his heart was filled with compassion. In other words, he felt it. He felt the man's plight in his own body and he had to do something. And do you know what he did? He had a prayer meeting for a whole year about what to do. (laughs) Is it your will, Lord, that I should help the guy who's bleeding out on the side of the road? No, that's not what he did. Go read the story. He's led by compassion. So what does he do? He bandages up his wounds. What does that mean? Well, in the ancient world where you didn't carry bandages, it kind of means this. He would have ripped up his own clothing to help the man, to make bandages. He takes him to the end. It's a very long parable about all the extreme things he does. He's led by initiative. This is Jesus' own story about what it looks like to love your neighbor. I'm going to wrap up in a second, but I just wanted to say this. In recent years, I've noticed that this sermon, this one, the one about helping, the one about mission, the one about initiative has grown and grown, and that's a good thing. 
Amen? It means we're more productive. But I hope it's not at the expense of the more important message. N.T. Wright was asked, he's a famous theologian and writer, he was asked, what's the most important thing the church does? And without blinking or batting an eyelid, he just said, the most important thing we do is worship. The most important thing we do. You know, when we take the second commandment, to love others as we love ourselves and put it at number one, oh, we've failed. You've messed it up. Go read it again. Number one, love the Lord your God with everything you've got. And so you don't skip the worship. You come for the worship and stick around for the sermon. That's what you do. You find ways to connect with God and bless God for the joy set before him. He endured the cross. What joy? The joy of our company. But don't let God wait for your company till you get to heaven. He wants your company now. He wants to walk with you in the garden. He wants to walk with you down the beach. He wants to walk you with you and the dog. He wants to lie in bed and you not be on your phone. He just actually wants some time to connect with you and be blessed by you. How bizarre that God has made it that we can bless God. That God's decided that to give us the honor of being able to bless his heart. The Bible says in, in the Psalms, who are you that, that you that you're mindful of us? This is a God you couldn't make up. A God who hungrily yearns for the company of his people. Is that true? This is a God who hungrily yearns after you when you're too busy. A God who hungrily yearns and waits and knocks on that door. I know there'll be people here and you haven't even let God through the front door yet into your life. And we're going to give you a chance to do that this morning. There's others of you, 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 you flung the door wide open. Yeah, come on in, God, that sounds cool. Come on, hide in my, come into the foyer. Now just don't go anywhere else. Just stay in the foyer. And then other people will be able to see you through the front door. But don't go near the kitchen. Don't go into any of the bedrooms. Do not go in the closet, Jesus. <laughs> Right, I got some stuff in there you do not want to see. And I want to say, God's still knocking. Jesus is still knocking. He's knocking on doors. He's knocking on doors. We work with young adults. Why? Because they love changing. That's our favorite people to work with as young adults, because they're desperate for answers. They're desperate to change. The older people get, they kind of get stuck in their ways. Have you noticed that? Or is it just me? But that's a choice. It's not an age thing, it's a choice. Are you stuck in your ways yet? Or are you willing to let God into another room? I wonder what he's calling you to. God loves his church and so should we. I wonder if you love the church today. I wonder as, as I've been speaking, whether the Holy Spirit's been uh, talking. I've talked, I've covered a few, a few points. I'd said I'd only cover one, but I, I think I've covered two or three. But you know, the Holy Spirit's so cool. The Holy Spirit might have been talking to you about something that I haven't said at all. Or maybe I just I said something in passing, but God just said, that's for you. That's what you need. I wonder if you could find a way to respond to that this morning. More than anything, I hope that your love for the church, the appreciation for the church has also been growing. She's not perfect, but that is God's dream for her. He wants to do her up. He wants to renovate her, and that's us. And so to make God's dream come true, would you be open 
to being renovated? Would you be open to opening another door to being sanctified, which is the process of becoming more like Christ this morning? Hey, thanks for listening. God bless you.